The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Confidant, my sweet, beautiful, ooh, not so nice girl, confidant. Welcome to Confidently Insecure, the podcast. We are absolutely sure we don't know everything. I'm your host, Kelsey Dara. And first, got to address the elephant in the room. Baby, if you're watching this on youtube.com slash Kelsey Dara, you're like, what the fuck is this background? I am in my new office. You guys, we moved. It happened. It's a whole thing. I'm sure I'll do a whole episode all about it, but that's not why we're here. We're here to talk to this amazing guest who I am so excited to dive into. You guys, she's really fucking smart. She's really cool. I'm excited for you guys to hear more about her. Her name is Maho Molfino. She's the author of Break the Good Girl Myth. She's the host of the Heroin Podcast and Women's Leadership Expert. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Kelsey. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Okay. So you, I've listened to a bunch of episodes of podcasts that you've been on and I'm just like, you do so many fucking things. Like, how do you hone in on what exactly like your destiny point is in this life? What you do? I know that's a very loaded question for up top. (laughs) I love it. I love this question. I love how you're just going deep right away. (laughs) Uh, okay, so I like to say that we have our, all of us have a why, mm. but we have many different hows. Ooh, go on. Yes. <laughs> so my why is to empower and support women. Mm. My how is multiple. So I do it through a podcast. I do it through a book. I do it through a program. Mm. And I think that's important to have that like multiplicity yeah. You know, yeah. and not to feel so constrained because we're so creative. Like you're obviously an extremely creative human. I'm saying it and sounds so, like you would describe me when you were describing yourself. I was like, yeah, <laughs> we do 800 jobs. We wear a hundred hats. We wear a hundred hats. We just, we want to express it in different angles. You know, yeah. podcast is voice storytelling Ooh. book is like a private experience. Someone's cozying up and yeah. getting the message in a different way. Yes. Program is like, we're going through it together. We're going from good girl to badass together. Yes. I love that mentality too of like, I don't know why, but I've always felt so uh, like embarrassed or meek about saying I'm a multi-hyphenate. Like it usually is dependent on who I'm talking to that I'll like lead with, oh, I'm a producer first or, oh, I'm a writer or like content creator. But why is it? I'm sure you have like a very... Uh, full answer for something like this, but why do we feel like embarrassed or why do I feel that way to own my own power in what I do? Mm-hmm. I, this is huge. You know, I had a teacher who once said, by the time you're 30, you have 30 little selves inside mm. of you. You know, like and the that. yeah. And the older you get, you have more selves. So you're not one person. Right. And 
I think society likes to put us in boxes and likes to know and define us. And other people want to define us. Like, no, what are you? I want to put you in a box and put a label on you. But we're so multidimensional. We have multitudes inside of us. Mm. And, you know, one of the big things that I think manifests for us is the myth of rules, which I talk about in the book. Yes. You know those rules. God, we're going to dive into it. Let's do it. (laughs) And so one rule is like you have a straight path in your career and you have this conventional career. Are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Like, let's make it clean. Now, now we have a whole generation of creative, badass women mm-hmm. who are defying those rules and saying, I'm not going to be just one thing. Right. In fact, you might have multiple careers in your lifetime. Yeah, I should. Why I, I want to spread this love. Same with my relationship. I mean, that was a side <laughs> piece of it, but I'm in an yeah. open relationship. And like, there you go. always talk about like, oh my God, that must be so hard. I'm like, not really. There's so much love and there's so much mm-hmm. like happiness. Why wouldn't I want that to be um, brought out in many ways in different forms? And so that, that just kind totally. of like tipped its hat towards it when you said that. But you, I mean, you were you, breaking the good girl myth of rules in relationships because- amen. There is a rule, which is we all need to, should be monogamous. That's the big yep. rule that mm-hmm. has been reinforced in movies, mm-hmm. in books. White picket fence. In families. Religions. Ooh, girl, you're that, talking to the right one. It is yeah. not for me, sis. <laughs> you know. not for us. <laughs> so you brought it up a little bit, your book, Break the Good Girl Myth, right? Like mm-hmm. there are these myths that we have. I think there's five, right? And mm-hmm. how the patriarchy has manifested inside all of us women and how to break those things. So could you tell me a little bit more about what the five myths are, which is a hard word for me to say. Myths. Myths. <laughs> You're doing great. Myths. myths. <laughs> yeah. So there are five good girl myths and I'll just say them real quick and then we'll yeah. define them. So The myth of rules, perfection, logic, harmony, and sacrifice. So those are the five good girl myths. Mm -hmm. A good girl myth is a sneaky subconscious tendency that we pick up as little girls. And then they kind of... Subconscious. Yeah. So it's like a software program that's been downloaded and we're running on it. And then we're still running on it in our 20s, 30s, and 40s, but we don't realize that's the program Mm -hmm. we're running on. And so part of the work with the book and the work that I do with women, it's like, let's wake up. Let's wake up from that. Let's snap out of it and realize this is default programming and choose something else. Right. And so I can, I'm happy to go through each one. Is that helpful? Okay. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So myth of rules, which we touched on a little bit, is following external rules and authority instead of trusting your own needs, desires, and opinions. You're going to hear a lot of noises from me this episode. I have a feeling. Amen. coming (laughs) out of me. I'm like, sis, say it in the back. Yeah. (laughs) But of course we would have this, right? Like since we're young, it's like, listen to your teacher, listen to your Mm -hmm. parent, listen to your preacher, your priest, Mm -hmm. your rabbi. Like it's all about, you know, your celebrity. It's like listening, looking outward for answers instead of inward. So that's, Mm. you know, very common. Mm. Um, The myth of perfection is my primary good girl myth. So this is when we demand perfection in ourselves and other people, like having impossibly high standards, basically. Uh, The myth of logic is choosing logic over intuition and decision making and the way you navigate your life. Ooh, go deeper on that one. Cause I feel like that one can be a little witchy if you don't. Yes. That, this one is super witchy. I love that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so 
you know, I think as, especially when we go through puberty as girls and patriarchy, we soon learn like, oh, it's not safe to be in my body. It's not safe to inhabit my body because men are looking at me and I could be prey. And so there's this thing where we start to disconnect from our bodies and we sever the Mm. connection between our mind and bodies. Mm. And then what happens we have trouble accessing this incredible intelligence. Yeah. You know, feelings. That's right. how we know whether to go in this direction or that direction. But we're we're disconnected from that. And and layer on top of that school, which is like Western education, which is all like learn, you know, yep. you know, analytical, like writing math and SATs. verbal and SATs yeah. and and it's not, you know, there's all this kinesthetic intelligence and mm. like you know, I think some kids who do like performing arts, they kind of get some of that. But if you didn't yeah. do theater, you like me. don't. I, I was a theater kid. <laughs> you were a theater kid. I could see that. That's <laughs> probably why I'm in the business that I am. And so thank you to my parents for fostering that. But if you don't get that opportunity, you probably end up in finance. Exactly. <laughs> and well said. And mm-hmm. and I feel like so much of our intuition, you know, comes from the body, but it also comes from the imagination, mm. comes from... Our, our ability to have empathy for other people, put ourselves in other people's shoes, imagine the world through their eyes, and we get disconnected from that. And so uh, this is witchy because a lot of our magic and a lot of our artistry, I think, gets buried under logic. Oof. And that's that's a big one for me. It's actually my second one, and it's, I think, the reason why I've had trouble maybe uh, just writing fiction or writing poetry mm. really like owning mm. myself as more of an artist is because I'm like well gotta do this first yeah. like like I wish we know? could all just introduce ourselves as like fucking goddesses like bad mm. bitch witch goddesses like when someone's like what do you do I'm like I'm a fucking bad bitch witch artist like I wish that could just be my name tag but I want to put that for my multi hyphenate let's put that in my twitter bio um I want to touch on something you said that I thought was so fucking beautiful and, and you just like said it so naturally you were like when we go through puberty and patriarchy Mm-hmm. And you said patriarchy as if it's like a stage that gets added to our life. And I mm-hmm. feel that our generation really is the generation. I'm assuming you're my age. We are the ones that are breaking down that idea of like, oh, wait, we are conditioned and we have so much unlearning to do because we really went through this like. I imagine it like a Dr. Seuss tunnel of like you put it in one end and it comes out the other and we have to like put ourselves back in and come back out to our, to our most authentic selves. And the Mm -hmm. way you said that made me go like, Oh shit. Like that is something specific to women. I Mm -hmm. think that we're, we're trying to, we're most aware of now, I think more than ever. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So we're all born into patriarchy, whether Mm -hmm. you're a man, a woman or by non-binary, you're born into this system that's been around for thousands of years, like 5,000 years, roughly. Jesus. There's some debate around that, but <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. It's just been around for 5,000 years. Yeah. Still here. Still here. Yeah, hasn't gone away. Changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some things are starting to change. But um, when you go through puberty, it gets like super enhanced because mm. you're just like a girl and you're like in your body and you're having fun. You're at recess and you're like, you don't care about how you per- you're perceived when you're like, 
seven or eight. Yep. Typically, I'm speaking in generalizations, but you're like silly. You're like, you know, you're like whatever. Dirty. Dirty. Around. Exactly. And then suddenly you turn 13 and you get, you start getting boobs and then men are looking at you and so suddenly you go from subject mm. to object. Ooh. And that shift for girls is devastating. It devastating. Really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think everyone who's listening to this right now is remembering very specific moments that like Mm -hmm. defined puberty for them that they realize now was probably so fucking toxic. And I mean, I don't know if you have any insight to like reversing that shame or reversing that like anger that that stuff we went through where I'm just kind of like, that was fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, I think just even uh the resurfacing memories in a safe space mm. and whether that's, you know, with a therapist mm. or with a group and releasing a lot of anger, mm. you know, cause I think anger definitely, we have every right to be angry. Yeah. You know, we're, we're born into a world that says you're second place and not only that Oof. you're an object and not only that, you know, you've got to be like this. And, you know, I bring this up in the book. The book is written for women, but men and boys also suffer from patriarchy. Right. Because if you're a oh, yeah. sensitive boy child. Forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. I was you literally know? having this conversation. I have this conversation all the time with men about being like, if you weren't raised to, to think that sucking another dick was homophobic, you would probably try to suck a dick just to like see what it's like. Like if you were actually allowed to explore, mm-hmm. like I think there would be so many more like bisexual men if we were taking the pressure off of dudes too. And they're still so defensive. They're still so like, I just they're don't like, think no. so. I just, <laughs> like, I'm I don't not think attracted so. to dick. I'm like, how do you know though? If you were raised, like patriarchy <laughs> is so much more obvious to women, I think, right? Yeah. Then you have like the male mm-hmm. rights activists and shit like that. Like, oh God, we, mm-hmm. but- um, yeah. All right. Let me tell you about the last two yes, good yes, girl myths. Yes, 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 yes. Because they're biggies. The myth of harmony, mm. huge. So this is when we seek harmony instead of allowing for conflict and confrontation, which is actually needed for change and needed for our relationships to mature. So when you're under the myth of harmony, I like to say we're under the spell of these myths. When you're under the spell of the myth of harmony, the last thing you want to do is have a difficult conversation yep. because you're so afraid of disappointing that other person. And in the short term, that's great. You feel comfortable. You got ease. You got social harmony. But in the long term, really catches up to you. Sheesh. That was probably my number one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I that's actually- so interesting because you're a comedian. And like I feel like comedians have to be a bit confrontational but it becomes self-deprecating and like Mm. even you know you and I were talking before we hit record about I'm doing all these pitch meetings for my business and it turns into like I've gotten notes that it's like stop making things a joke rather than confronting like the hard question or the hard answer to something but I even have a post-it note that I keep on my desk all the time that says you don't succeed or fail you succeed and learn because I'm so afraid of confrontation and conflict that I see it as like failure or like a hard thing rather than being like, no, it's an opportunity for you and I to go through something together to come out the other end positively. And yeah, to up-level the relationship. Up-level the relationship. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
Yeah. So this is a biggie and you're not alone. So oh I think so many of us, yeah, <laughs> I've never you're had not alone. That's the good like news, that, girl. You know, <laughs> what did you say? I've never had these like poignant things said so plainly and obviously mm. like this is really the first time I've heard them. Obviously I've been listening to a bunch of your stuff, but like it just feels nice to have someone give it to you so factually and be like, no, this is a fucking thing that you are not alone. This yeah, is the this truth is the thing. Exactly. Well, that's that was my hope was mm. here's a map. Here's a framework. Here's some language around what's mm. happening to you. Language, yeah. Yeah, because if you don't have language, okay, so first you need language around something mm. so that you can identify it and yeah. see it happen. And then exactly. when you identify it, you can create space between you and that thing. And so language is so important. So I love it when I have a reader or uh, someone DM me and say, I was speaking to my girlfriend and she has the myth of harmony. Like there's language around that, you know? And this is how we talked about it. And and I was like, wow, it's great, you know? Created like vocabulary. Totally. So what was after harmony? Because I went deep in that one. (laughs) (laughs) So the myth of sacrifice is... Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, this is a very old, old programming mm. that we've gotten from like ancient times, basically mm. inherited, which is a selfless woman is a virtuous woman. So mm. please lay yourself down on the rocks and <laughs> and die <laughs> and Be die by the birds. <laughs> <laughs> to feed but, your starving children. <laughs> exactly. So this is this is when we put other people's needs above our own at the expense of our, our well-being. And right. with all the good girl myths, especially sacrifice, I like to say there's a moment to sacrifice. Like sure. if you're a new mom, you're like, hey, yeah. this, I'm in a phase of high sacrifice. That yeah. is normal. So don't beat yourself up about it. So right. there's there are moments for these good girl myths. To make where sense. You, they make sense. You're entering a certain life phase or maybe you're choosing it. Like you're yeah. choosing to sacrifice them. But but what I'm bringing up with all these good girl myths is, are we choosing this or are we defaulting into it again yeah. and again? Because you could default into it for your whole life. And there are some women who do. And mm-hmm. then they wake up at age 60, and their kids are out of the house and they're like, oh my God, who am I? What do I want? What am I outside of that? What am I outside of my role as mother and wife? Yeah. And they have like almost a second life. Yeah. You know, and and some of us can do that. We can do that sooner. We can have that line of questioning sooner, which is empowering, I think. How do you see it changing? Because I imagine like if we would have had this language vocabulary book like 20 years ago, I'm like, oh, my God, I would have been taught. I was raised by a pretty liberal, badass fucking woman who like told me you always have your own bank account. You never rely on anybody. You know, I feel very lucky in that I had a a mother who broke all the good girl myth. Like she did nothing traditionally. I don't think a lot of people I know are as lucky. And so I wonder like, how do you see things changing for the better that we are becoming more, I hate to say like woke to the problem, but like more aware to this, right? Like I'm seeing Mm -hmm. things on TikTok and social media where I'm like, oh yeah, that is a fucking patriarchal thought that is like deeply ingrained in me or like generational in my family. Like, how do you see it changing? Well, our generation, just in the last few years, we've gone through the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. We saw the Brett Kavanaugh thing happen. Yeah. We saw Trump happen. Yeah. And 
and we saw uh, George Floyd happen right. just within the span of five years. Cool. So we're like, we I think see. we, mm-hmm, we're waking up to the system is inside of us. It's not just outside of us. Wow. It's very much inside of us, well-meaning, you know, people who are walking around. Yeah. And even if you're liberal and progressive, you have work to do. And yes. so I think that it is changing. Like if you even spend like five minutes on TikTok <laughs> looking at Gen Z, yeah. um, I think they're they're breaking their good girl Brilliant. nets. Yeah. Brilliant. They're- I'm seeing so much more just like fluidity too. And it's mm-hmm. giving me power to experiment. And like I'm gaining it from like younger kids. Yeah. They're <laughs> Which like, you have to some- teeter like not trying to be a kid yourself. So <laughs> Yeah, there's like some there was one TikTok account that I was following this girl. I think she must have been like I don't know, like 18 or something. L- literally a model. Like she's gorgeous. And in my time, if you were 18 and you looked like her, all you cared about was looking beautiful. Yep. Like that was like your number one yep. goal. It was like being good and looking mm-hmm. beautiful and like and she was literally rolling around on the ground like doing weird impersonations. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my God. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? (laughs) You are talking to two sober Sally's. You know, Zach and I love to drink recess zero proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less. And it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences like talking about her armpit hair like she was not 
you know, she was, she was just being so gross. And and I was thinking, wow, that's fascinating because here's someone who would have traditionally been like trapped by her beauty, but is like so much more multidimensional. And I think we're seeing that, you know, in in a lot of different ways with, with kids now. I see it like they care more about connection. Like if I had to describe it, it's like, they don't give a fuck. Like they, they're not just fighting it. They're like flipping it off. They're like, this is like, I think it was Amy Schumer that had a really good bit about like the generation, our generation speaking to women above us being like, oh my God, you had to wear skirts in the office. That's so fucked up. And like, they're like, wow, yeah, that was fucked up. But then now the kids below us are like, yeah, you let men like sexually abuse and harass you. That's fucked up. And it's like, oh yeah, that is fucked up. Like, even when we think we're healing, there is still stuff that we're not aware of that we have to, like you said, kind of take pause and observe that we still have a lot of work to do. Even if you are liberal, woke, you know, feminist, all that jazz. Um, yes. My question is like, how does this affect minorities differently? The patriarchy and like, what can allies do? A, a, a majority of our viewership are white women. And so I'd love to know like what we can do as allies to help break the good girl myth everywhere. Yeah. So minorities is a huge category and it, uh, it does, does, it depends on uh, which segment you're talking about. Um, so for me as like a Latinx immigrant, I definitely really grappled with a lot of these things, particularly around tradition and family Mm. and rules. Mm. And, you know, as an immigrant, you have an achievement bent and Mm. there's the minority myth. Right. You feel like you have to like, "Mm." so sometimes for women who are of minority status or, uh, women of color, not in all cases, but in some cases, good girl conditioning could be even stronger because they feel mm. like they have to like represent for their entire group right. and they feel there's like, like they can't fuck up, you know? Um, and then there's some women of color who are like, fuck you all. Like <laughs> patriarchy never helped me from like white patriarchy never helped me from right. the beginning. And so they're really not interested in ever, they were never a good girl. And that even right. that discourse is like, doesn't resonate. Sure. I think it actually really resonates with, uh, white, uh, mostly white women who maybe were expected to be like the model Barbie, mm-hmm. you know, Hollister model. Yeah. Like bitch, suburban but- mom, like, yeah. you know, kind of, they were groomed yeah. by groomed by the page, patri- white patriarchy to be Absolutely. like, to suck up to white men. And then, and then look, fucking Trump happened. That's exactly. Right. And look what happened. Yeah. And and it's not just conservative white women; it's also no. liberal white women oh, yeah. too, big time. Um, and so, I think that we're we're all having a conversation around this, and it's very nuanced. So I don't like to make like huge generalizations, but sure. I do think that you know, if you are a white woman and you're listening to this, like look at how your good girl conditioning exists within yourself. Mm. And I think that's the primary work that you can do and think about how it not only intersects with patriarchy, but also white supremacy. My book doesn't go into that specifically, but I that's think that's your next book, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's its whole own thing. <laughs> it's its own thing. And I don't know that I'm the most qualified person <laughs> right, right, to write right. about so that. Right. I should be fucking writing about that shit coming from the <laughs> South. <laughs> There you go. You're from the South. That's like a whole other layer. I was raised in Florida and then 
tried to go to college in Alabama and I quickly left. I ran. I fucking ran from that shit. I was like, bye, 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 bye. But then now I have that guilt of like, I didn't do the work while I was there. So now I find myself making up for it rather and, and making fun of it rather than going like, oh, wait, I have a fucking chance and a voice to step into this space and like do something about it. And that's, you know, whatever, just shit I deal with on my own time. But yes, I think that's huge though. That's great self-awareness. And I think- I think that, um, you know, my friends who grew up in the South, like I have a friend who's from Texas, who's now like an artist and lives in San Francisco, but she's like, oh my God, I was like a debutante and like, yep. and you know, my family, like a lot of my family members own guns and some oh, of yeah. Trump supporters and like, oh, she's yeah. like grappling with all of that. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So it, yeah. for her, she's been breaking her myth of harmony in that she's been like setting boundaries with some family members and having mm-hmm. hard conversations with them. Uh, even if they don't want to have hard conversations with them. Um, oh, yeah. Gotta you know, like if one of her family members says something that's blatantly racist, you know. We're leaving. We're leaving, sis. Definitely, definitely <laughs> being from Florida. We're leaving or we're having the difficult conversation with you right. to explain. Exactly. Knowing when to walk away is a big part of that, too, I think, of of like – yeah, it, it like at some point I recognized that I had to cut off mm-hmm. and – remove not from any of my immediate family members but you know i i have 52 cousins from one side of my family so we have a very large family so you have to imagine like a percentage of that uh is uh, and they all probably follow you on instagram right they know what i'm about they know how to poke my fucking bear and poke my bear they know what to say to like get the woke liberal angry and shit when you know you're around thanksgiving and i'm just like oh, okay i also know when the fucking to walk away from you and like cut you out of my life and you no longer benefit from, you know, who I am as a person and my energy versus I think you're worth sitting down and having a conversation with. But totally. And I think that's a great question to ask yourself when you are in the myth of harmony and you have a toxic relationship or someone brings up something that you think is problematic. Ask yourself, like, how much do I want to invest in this relationship? If I really want to invest in this relationship, if it matters to me, if I value it, if, Mm. if, I love this person, then I'm going to right. have to pull up my big girl socks and have the 100%. hard conversation. hundred percent. And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm very curious to see how like the holiday season goes this year. I haven't really put much thought into it, but like what a different year this holiday season is going to be for so many people. I'm going to have to like do an episode about that later. Cause last year or either last year or 2019, we did an episode about like how to go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, like how to talk to your family members about this shit. Um, but I, I did want to ask kind of like a caveat of this question um, is how to talk to people in your life that you love and, and love you back about these five myths. Because I think I, I immediately go to like, oh, I'm breaking the patriarchy. I'm breaking the glass ceiling. Like it's, it's often a conversation where I'm like, you don't know what we've been through, but how can I approach people in my life that I love about these issues and topics? Like, you know, I'm immediately thinking of my partner, right? He's a cishet male from Boston who like somehow now I've, you know, watched him bloom into this beautiful liberal ally that I was like, didn't think was possible. But there are still some pieces of this where I'm like, Rather than telling me, hey, don't talk about yourself that way, maybe look into like why my thought process goes into talking to myself about like, oh, I hate my body today or this outfit. And he's kind of like, he gets really sad. He's like, I just feel so sad that like women have had to 
think about themselves that way. Like, why couldn't you have you guys been lifted up? And I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking know, Jared. Why don't we like dissect this together? <laughs> so do you have any advice on like how to talk to people who like want mm. to talk about it? Also, you don't have to protect him from his sadness. Mm. I hope you know that. Because oftentimes then we're like, oh, I don't want you to feel sad. So I won't bring up this hard thing that I'm going through. No, I'm like, fuck that shit. Feel it. Feel the burn, baby. Exactly. <laughs> feel the burn. Um, so with my, in the case of with my husband, for example, giving really tangible examples helped him wake up to what we call his male privilege. Mm-hmm. So for example, the other this was like a few years ago, I had parked in a garage, a public garage, and it was late at night and I was Mm. going to get my car. Now, every woman here listening knows that feeling of going into a garage at night. Like, what are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Just fear and anxiety, heightened, need a weapon. Yeah. You're hypervigilant. You're like, I'm going to use this key as like a knife if I need to. (laughs) Yeah. You're like holding on for your dear life. You just want to get in your car and like lock the door as fast as possible. behind you underneath. Yeah. All that shit. Yeah. An experience that men, a lot of men have never had. Is that incredible? Wild to me. Yeah. Why? I asked my boyfriend this not to like completely derail, but we were walking, we were uh, jogging and he jogs faster than me. And so, you know, we're a little bit away from each other. And like during a break, I was like, did you see how many men looked at me? And he was like, oh, no, I wasn't even thinking about it. And I was like, isn't that weird that we both just took the same hour long jog and the entire time I'm thinking like, fuck you, dude, stop looking at me. No, I don't want to fucking talk to you. Ew. Like, and he never even thought about it. And I just like was like, isn't that funny that he, he doesn't have to worry about that? Yeah. That's and wild. So it's wild. It's just totally a different experience. But also the other day I was thinking like there's a, half the population pees standing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine going to the bathroom and every time you urinate, you're having like you're standing in a power pose? That's a wow. Good for them. No, but like since you're little, since you're little, you literally have to sit like he he. I mean, hands folded, dainty, dee dee he he. Yeah, you're not we like have a totally different experience of peeing. Thing. Yeah, we have a totally different experience of peeing, and it's like such a daily thing. Like, how do you think that affects? It was just so fascinating. Like, how it's does that affect like that? Yeah, how does that affect someone's psyche? Like how they go out in the day, like knowing that they pee at standing up. I think we should all try peeing standing up. Is what I think. Or men should try squatting once in a while. I do know a couple guys, and I will say they are more in touch with their divine feminine who pee sitting down. And I think (laughs) that that might have something to do with it. But you're right. It's little shit like that that is years of Mm -hmm. fucking oppression and patriarchy that just melts our mind. And now we're waking up to it. And, you know, some people do want to wake up to it. And some of them want to just like keep living the fucking life we live. But you know, it, it seems like we're heading in the direction of breaking that and, and identifying it. So could you maybe talk a little bit about like, I'm sure some of the listeners heard the five myth and we're kind of like, Oh shit, that sounds like me. Like, do you have tips on being self-aware? Because often that could be the hardest process is stopping and being mindful of that and going like, Oh shit, this is a moment where I'm doing this thing. Cause it's really hard to be mindful and work on yourself. It is. So what I recommend is if you can do the assessment I have in chapter three. Ooh, where it, yeah, where it outlines. Quiz. Yeah, it's a, 
yeah, it outlines which of the myths are the strongest right now and which are, you know, you got, you, you got, you, you're okay. You got this. Yeah. We, we typically have all five, but there are one or two that are dominant. And then there are some that come up in certain contexts. So I have some journaling prompts and questions around that. Mm. So I think that's huge. Like learning each myth in depth, understanding what it sounds like, what it looks like, Every single one has a main strategy for approval, and then it has a power you get to reclaim when you break that myth. So when you understand each myth, yeah, really in depth, and then you take the assessment, you're going to be like, okay, I think I have a handle on what's happening to me a little bit more. And I really do think awareness is half the battle, Battle. if not more. Yeah. And then, you know, in depending on which myth, There are different sets of tools and techniques because each one works on us very differently. Mm. So um, I'm happy to go into certain frameworks or tools for specific ones if that's helpful. I thought it was really interesting when you said that there's a power you can reclaim Mm -hmm. from it. And I'm curious about that. Like, I don't want to give anything away. Obviously, I want everyone to go read the book and like see what it is. But like, what can we look forward to when we become, you know, survivors of this process (laughs) exactly like who are we on the other side of this and who are you when you're not trying to be good you know probably bad bitch but i have often i the listeners know my friend lord diy we were talking about like the boss babe being canceled and like boss you know boss girl boss thing and i was like shit i feel bad that i ever identified that because when i was in it i wasn't aware of like what it was doing to oppress others and like the privilege i stood even within that thinking like i just spent all this time trying to reclaim my power why am i like throwing away girl boss but i was like what are we now and she's like we're bad bitches and i was like all right i'm gonna hold on to bad bitch for a little while then <laughs> yeah hold on to it until we then say no you can't <laughs> yeah you can't be a bad bitch you got to be something else but like it feels <laughs> It feels, it feels pretty good right now. Like you said, like it has to change, right? Like we have to grow. Yeah. And I think it's okay to evolve and 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 say, hey, that thing that I said two years ago or three years ago, like I've grown as a person mm. and I've educated myself and, you know, that doesn't work anymore. That was me then. I'm a new person now. I think we need more, especially now yep. in, the, uh, in the environment of cancel culture, I think yep. we need more we need to give people more leeway for self-examination and growth. I mean, I could do a whole episode on that, but like I'm a dumb white bitch comedian from the South who's definitely done and said dumb shit, you know, jokes on Twitter or like old sketches or whatever it is where it was like, that was, um, it it was still bad back then, but it was like funny bad back then. Or now it's, you know, it's, it's that, awareness too of like not trying to run from that person I have a lot of empathy for that girl like I you know was Mm -hmm. a drinker still back then I've been sober two years now like I feel a lot of like oh like I kind of want to just hug that girl like you didn't know you weren't raised in an arena to care about like cultural sensitivity or like have the the breadth of of friends diversity you have now like you have that chance now and like how beautiful is that and if you spend all the time like hating your past self of who you used to be there's no way you can grow and be an ally now like there's no way and that self-shame thing I think is big for a lot of of people are or like you know these listeners is like 
mm-hmm. letting go of that self-shame as it applies to cancel culture and to, you know, the good girl myth. Absolutely. I just heard Trevor Noah, he talked about this because some comedians, you know, are apologizing for something they said, you know, four or five years ago. And he was like, well, did the audience laugh? It's like, yeah, the audience laughed. So the comedian is a product of the time, right? right? And the audience was there with him or her. Right. And so, you know, the comedian is reflective of what was where the consciousness was at that time. Mm -hmm. And so it's also not all on the artist, I think. 100%. and it's he's a so little smart. I know he's a real smarty. That wasn't my idea. That was Trevor no. Noah's I really idea. like him. Rarely yeah. does he say shit where I'd, I'm like, no, I don't agree with you. I haven't read <laughs> his book though. I also do. Is your book on audiobook? It is. It is I, on audio. I'm so like you, scrolling ahead to that confrontation chapter immediately. The harmony. Yeah, like, go to right the myth of harmony and 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 read it. So. I, I do. The only thing w- which was weird with the audiobook was the assessment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there's no way anyone can that? retain that in their head. Right. When they're driving, I'm like, option A, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> option B. Is that what you had to do? Yeah. Oh, I had my. to go through. Maybe I had to read out the down. whole quiz. And I was like, this, this, no, the person needs the paper and yeah. needs to see the quiz. Oh, my God. So That's why everyone keeps asking about my book being audio. And my whole book is a workbook. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the pages, no. like buy like, the workbook, like so you can do the work, yeah, like I'm sit like, down and do, do the work. I like a connect the dots page that comes out to be like butterflies. I don't fucking know how I'm going to do that. It's like, and now journal. Yeah. And Pause. I'll wait one hour until you're done journaling. That's so funny. Um, Mo, I wish we could like keep talking forever because I feel like I could, we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg of of our myths and, and breaking. And you seem like right up our alley of, of voice that I want my listeners to be like connected to. So can you please tell us where we can get more of you? Give us all the places. Sure. Uh, so I'm available on Instagram at Maho Molfino. Maho spelled with a J. So that's M-A-J-O. And that's also my website, my name, mahomolfino.com. And there you can find, I have a free quiz. I have like free trainings, like anything you want to dive into. You know, I have my podcast, which you mentioned at the beginning, the heroin podcast. And like you said, I'm, I do a lot of things. So yeah. there's the book, there's the podcast, the website. Yeah. Take your, take your pick. Take how your you pick. like to consume content. Take your pick. But for the book, you can, the easy URL to remember for the book, because yeah. my name's a little complex, is a goodgirlmyth.com. There you go. But that doesn't on, get easier than t-shirt. that, folks. I love it. And seriously, guys, I'm going directly to the website to listen because it's just it's reinforce it reinforcing and validating like just like I said having you say these things out so clearly I was like god damn I wish I would have heard this way younger or like was taught this in some sort of feminism class in public school but then I have to think about like feminism being taught in a Florida public school and I'm just like oh Jesus Christ we still have so many years light years to go (laughs) I know it's like we feel like we've made so much progress and yet and yet and (laughs) yet the name of a podcast in it yeah (laughs) Well, will you please come back? Because I feel like we still have so much more to talk about. Um, totally. I, I feel I love like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, confidants, please find all of the links below. Please go check out her podcast, the book. And as you know, you can always find us at confidently insecure podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials at confidently pod. Don't forget to go get the book. The sensitive merch is out now. Speaking of being sensitive, go rate this five stars. And if you don't rate it for five stars, please don't rate it anything because I'm sensitive and we will see you next week. Bye.
Thank you.